As Michigan's most powerful and influential voice for business, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce stands ready to serve you. Go to mychamber.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-M-B-E-R.com to learn more now. If you've gone to a restaurant or grocery store lately, you may have noticed something a little different. There's just not a lot of workers. And in particular, not a lot of young faces. What was once a sort of rite of passage for young people, working in the service or retail industry starting out, is changing. My first job out of college, I was a hostess in northern Michigan. I was terrible at it. It's something Free Press business reporter Adrian Roberts says is bigger than the pandemic's impact on the workforce. And there are a lot of factors. I think I was paid $9 an hour. I would have accepted anything because this was right after the recession. And now, you know, the youth have power now. Like, they they can say, no, I don't want to work these hours. I just feel because I just know my worth. No, I can go across the street and get more money from another employer. This week, we hand the reins to producer Darcy Moran. Together with Roberts, the two assess the impact of Michigan's changing workforce and try to answer the question, where have all the young workers gone? I'm Carrie Jr. the second. This is On the Line. the easiest way to start is can you just introduce yourself, who you are, what you do for the free press? Yeah, so my name is Adrian Roberts, and I am a business reporter at the Detroit Free Press. So I want to talk about the genesis of this story. Can you kind of tell us how this began? Yeah, it, it really kind of came out of conversations with my editor went to the grocery store and she said, okay, there's no cashiers, only the automated self-checkouts are up and running. Like, what is going on here? I'm talking with the people in line and we're like, why aren't there young people working? I've been covering what's happening with the labor force throughout this pandemic. And especially in Michigan compared with other states, we have a really low labor force participation rate. And that's a huge problem for the state. And when I dug into the numbers a little bit more, uh, I was looking at people between 16 and 24, the youth of America, and I found that very few of them are working right now. The reason that this is is really an issue right now is that there are so many job openings and right you would think it would be a time as as a young person okay I'm going to go get a job now this is a good time to to work and get some experience and we're not seeing that. Can we just define labor force participation rate for folks just to be really clear about what we mean when we're saying that? Yeah, so the labor force participation rate is a measure of people who are currently working and people who are actively looking for jobs. So when I say there's a 54% labor force participation rate in 2020 for people ages 16 to 24, that means, you know, more than 40%, like we don't know what they're doing. They're not working. They're not actively looking for work. They're just kind of like out of the labor force. 
when you talk about Michigan's labor force, I mean, is that um, consistent? Is that just uh, pandemic levels? I think in prior podcasts, we've kind of touched on that issue. But have we always had that particularly low, um, you know, labor force there? Yeah, this this is an issue the state has been experiencing for decades. And uh, the youth labor force participation rate kind of follows that trend, too. And going into the pandemic, people didn't want to expose themselves to COVID. You know, they were taking classes, retraining themselves, looking for another job. But kind of the surprising thing here is that hasn't picked back up uh, heading into to 2022. And now we're just not seeing that recover like we would have expected. I think a central question really is where where the heck are they? Um, where are these young workers? Have you been able to determine that at all in, in your reporting thus far? Yeah, I wish I could say yes to that question, but no, I have not figured it out. I don't think anyone has. If you have, please let me know. But but we do have some ideas as to where they're going. And, and kind of another thing that I saw that really sparked interest in this story was the stat from the Pew Research Center that found that 30% of people ages 16 to 24 have engaged in some sort of gig work. And that's like online platforms like Uber and DoorDash. And I thought, you know, maybe that's where some of them are going. And there are very few industries that are growing right now in, in the pandemic. So I think we might see some of that. But Otherwise, I think they're just sitting it out. But but are we hearing from any, you know, experts on on why that is? Because, you know, these are young folks trying to build a future for themselves, maybe looking for cash to just live their right, life right now. We you know inflation rates are high, so your dollar isn't going as far. Wouldn't this be a time that you, you want to work with those open job availabilities as well? Right. Absolutely. And so just to take a step back, Here's what I heard from economists and, and people who work with young people and help them find jobs. So here's what they said. This is not necessarily a new trend in the fact that a lot of younger people have been focusing more on education over the past few decades. They're looking for those internships, which really aren't tracked by the government. They're looking for extracurriculars to, to boost up their resume. But there's there's some new things happening in the pandemic. So People are still nervous about getting COVID. Another thing I heard is that some young people are leaving the labor force and they're taking care of their younger siblings while their parents are at work because childcare is still a huge issue. So those are just a few of the things I heard that kind of speak to what we're seeing right now. So what what becomes the impact of that? Like, why is it a big deal that we're not seeing them in there? What does that do to our economy, our businesses? Yeah, so I think this is a big issue because we don't want to lose them. And if you don't get them into that career path early on, it's hard to get them back at a later point. So I think that's that's the concern. And, you know, just speaking more from the the perspective of colleges, you know, that that pathway of, you know, going from high school straight to college, um, that's kind of been broken a little bit. Like we're seeing enrollment numbers decline. And I have a stat for you here. Enrollment in Michigan colleges in the fall, and this is comparing 2021 to 2019, that declined 8.4%. You know, and we thought at some point, okay, maybe young people aren't working 
maybe they're going to school, but we're not really seeing that. We're seeing those enrollment numbers decline. And, you know, there has been like some successes, like there's that Future for Frontliners program and Michigan Reconnect, retraining them for the jobs that are available now. But when I talk to, her name's Brandy Johnson, she's the president of the Michigan Community College Association. She's saying those are older workers or older adults. We're not seeing those those young people in, in college as much as we'd like to. So it's really interesting because it goes to this greater issue that you've been working on during the pandemic about employment and what's that looked like and the changes there. And I think there's been a lot of commentary, especially over the last year, like people have noticed for a while now that they're not as staffed at certain places. But then getting so specific to the teenagers and people going through 24, I think it's interesting because during those conversations about our change in labor, there was a lot of focus on what the worker wants. And they want higher paying jobs. They want, um, you know, better quality of life. And so are people going to school more to achieve that? Is that what's happening now? And that the numbers just don't show that that is where they are. And that it's really the opposite, that, that it just seems that they've picked a completely different line of work when you talk about gig economy or are, are truly just not working. Yeah, no, it's shocking to me too. You know, I heard a lot from business owners and even some economists. They're like, oh yeah, you know, unemployment benefits, they're way too generous right now. People are sitting home. They're just sitting this out. And business owners would especially tell me this, like we can't compete with the up to $900 weekly. But we're, now we're in March of 2022. Like benefits ended in September of last year. So that really, we can't blame unemployment benefits anymore. When I talk to business owners, you know, they realize that they need to do a better job recruiting, you know, either, either increasing their wages or communicating the benefits of, of the job or career opportunities. And, you know, I think the idea that you can just throw up a job posting, um, not get much context uh, and for minimum wage, it's just not going to fly anymore. Like young people are not interested in that. And they have too many options, too. Yeah, they, they, that's the key thing is they have too many options. But additionally, when you talk about that timing um, of when the benefits ended, you know, I, I think to myself, we were heading into what was a pretty big surge in Omicron. And so could that, how much is that playing into the choices being made, right? Um, or did the, did the reasoning switch? I think you and I talked a little bit before we got on this call because I was just so intrigued with it, but, you know, pre-pandemic, maybe young people were working, you know, to get experience, to get a little extra money versus it being essential if they were in that privileged position to not have to work necessarily. And now maybe that idea that they they just, well, I, I don't have to work and there's a pandemic and a surge, so maybe they don't do it for that reason. I mean, how much is that fitting into this? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's a huge point. And I think like this pandemic has exposed like this almost bifurcation and, 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 you know, some people have gotten only wealthier in the pandemic and they can afford to, to sit at home and do an unpaid internship, uh, maybe for a company that's located in another state and, and, and not make any money during this time. And maybe it's, it's more economical for them to not work. Um, so there's, there's many facets to this. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think we're only seeing what we saw before the pandemic at, to a greater degree. After the break, we hear from one young worker and look to their future and ours. As Michigan's leading statewide business advocacy organization, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce is on the job every day standing up for job providers in the legislative, political, and legal arenas. We are the unified voice of thousands of members who employ over one million Michiganders. We work with trade associations and local chambers of commerce of every size and kind in all 83 counties of the state. We know business in Michigan. Learn more today about how we can protect, connect, and strengthen your business. Whether that's advocating on your behalf at the Capitol, helping meet your informational training and networking needs, or boosting your bottom line visibility and voice, we're on the job for you. Make my chamber your chamber. Go to mychamber.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-M-B-E-R.com, to learn more now. And we're back with producer Darcy Moran speaking to Free Press reporter Adrian Roberts about what's led Michiganders around that 16 to 24 age to stay out of the workforce. I guess I throw it back to you if there's other kind of unique things that you have heard people talk about uh, where you maybe wouldn't think that that's playing into to this category of, um, you know, age group. What is different this time around is, is that we're seeing there are certain industries that are really growing, really no data on this. But um, when we look at an industry like the cannabis industry, there are 30,000 people working in that industry now. And those jobs range across the board. But a lot of that is retail, working in um, dispensaries and, and selling cannabis to consumers. So there, people have opportunities now. It's, it's you know, but it's it might be a little bit different than I think what maybe my generation or prior generations thinks as like your typical teen job, like working as a hostess at a restaurant. So I talked with Nia Heaston, and she went to Detroit Public Schools, and now she just started college, actually, a few months ago at Morgan State University on the East Coast. But she's a Detroiter, and one, she is a young person. She's 19 years old, and she also was a recruiting intern at um, this Detroit recruiting firm. So when I was talking with Nia, she made this really interesting point about her generation growing up with a phone in their hand and being able to make money. I mean, you really don't need a job if you have an up-to-date iPhone. You can make a job right there. Like literally to turn it on and say, okay, do I want to do DoorDash today? Do I want to maybe drive for Uber? And I think it's given them this entrepreneurial spirit. To start recording something or um, doing business partnerships and, you know, showing their products on your page. Younger people, they want things fast, you know? They want it fast and they want it now. Like, they don't need to rely on on these traditional workplaces. Where are we seeing the losses specifically? I, I believe you've been talking to some folks who, who have maybe felt that. 
Yeah, yeah. So the restaurant industry has been really hard hit. Like I I talked to this one restaurant group owner and he would get, you know, maybe a dozen or so applications um, for an open position. Now he's getting like maybe two or three. So that's caused him to kind of look at his recruiting and he's done stuff like now if you work, if you take a job and you recruit a friend to come work work with you and you work there for over a month, you could get a bonus, both of you, of up to $500. Um, He told me one funny anecdote though. I mean, sometimes he just can't recruit these younger people and now it's retired moms and grandmothers So when I talked with Nia, you know, one interesting thing that she brought up is that she found roles, you know, more in in restaurants, fast food industries, just to name a few random examples, but she found them kind of unfulfilling. I won't knock the regular retail and the restaurant jobs because that does show a worth ethic, you know, and time management skills. But for me, I feel like I already had that, you know, kind of in place. I feel when times get hard, I probably will resort to that. But for now, it's just not that hard. I just know my worth. And I just feel like, you know, a twelve seventy five per hour type of job is just not what I'm worth. And I don't like having that feel of someone having power over me and not giving me, you know, knowledge or information on how to get to the standpoint that they're at but when you go to most of those retail stores it's almost like they want you to stay complacent with the okay I'm getting my check every two weeks I'm good with where I'm at I just don't want to get to a place to where I stop elevating and I plateau it is this great opportunity for them with these job availabilities and, and this really um, power, as we've talked about, to, to make the choice of what their, their working life is going to look like and feel like day to day, even at this young age. But on the flip side, I mean, I, I get stuck on that one you mentioned of, um, y- you know, the restaurant owner offering like this $500 bonus, which can be a lot for a small business or, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's variations of that, but we're seeing inflation, gas prices skyrocketing, um, you know, what businesses have already suffered during the time period. I mean, are you hearing a lot of fear and concern on the side of people like the restaurant owner? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think they know that this is a real problem for them. You're going to experience that from the consumer side of things. Like if they raise wages and um, just to attract more workers, like they're going to pass that along to the customer. Or like that example, like when when my editor went to the grocery store and saw no one working at the checkout lanes, like and they were all automated. We may see more automation um, in these positions. And you see this too when you go out to restaurants. You know, it, you might not now have a, a waiter come over to your table. You may go up to the counter, order there, and then go sit down and they'll bring you your food. And that's that's a way to, to kind of cover and, and, you know, it's eliminating a few positions. So um, I really think like we're going to see this as the consumer moving forward. 
And it really, I think you answered a lot of what I was going to ask you next, which is, what is the future impact of this? I'll admit on this that I'm among the millennial class, but um, the millennial <laughs> class and the, yeah, okay. So we both have fairly <laughs> stated our ages here. Um, but the, you know, the Gen Z group, especially, I think millennials too, really having already said, and I think there was some note of this prior to the pandemic, just completely anecdotally, I'm saying here, and maybe you can give some facts that people wanted to have more control and they, they weren't going to put up with certain things. And so I, I think just what you're speaking to really goes into the long-term changes that we may see across industries. Um, and I guess I don't, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but that's really where my mind goes is that there are already so many changes happening within these generations. And now what has happened with the pandemic with what it has caused as a psychological kind of change in prioritization um, that we could really see some major changes in how we do business. Yeah. Darcy, I, I don't know if I have anything to add. That, I mean, I totally agree with you. But I don't I don't think we know yet. You know, it's yeah. like it's like we're we're kind of at this point of like uh, immense change, really. And this is where you see like a lot of changes in behavior and, and people um, you know, either going to school or getting jobs in certain industries. And, and I, I don't, I, we don't know yet. So I'm as curious to see how this plays out as you are. Um, but I, I don't know. <laughs> well, That's... as you get information on that, we will be coming back to you to inform us all. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. I've, I've, I've um, secured my spot in a future podcast. <laughs> perfect. You did it so smooth, so well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Adrian, thank you so much for your time and joining us and kind of walking us through this. No, thank you. It was a pleasure talking with you. This episode was produced by me and Darcy Moran with help from Tad Davis. Anjanette Delgado and Marion Struman are our executive producers and Peter Batia is our editor. The music for the show is called Fort Trumbull and was produced by DJ Lost Boy. Thanks for listening. And if you like the show, please subscribe to it, uh, share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to come back next week. I'll see you then.